it, friends, and welcome to The World Transformed. Tonight we're talking about turning off the fear. This is part one of the two-part series on flipping the emotional switches. My name is Phil Bowermaster, and with me in the virtual studio is my co-host, Stephen Gordon. Hello, Stephen. Hey, Phil. How are you? Well, I am super fantastic. Happy Monday. How are you, my friend? Man, I'm doing great. Kind of a, a fun, geeky topic uh, that we're getting into tonight. You know, I was thinking about this as I was putting this show description together. This is a thing we have talked about theoretically numerous times right. over the years. This is a thing yeah. we said, you know, one of these days we'll have this. And maybe now we're a little bit closer to actually actually having this. What we're talking about is identifying and then being able to manipulate the individual switches to control the emotions that we feel. If we had this control panel whereby we could determine how much of, name the emotion, anxiety perhaps, or happiness, or whatever it might be that you're feeling, what would we do with that capability? So we're going to explore that a little bit tonight and also on Wednesday night. But here's the story. The, the, the headline is, Researchers Find Fear and Courage Switches in Brain. And of course, not in human brains. They've identified a cluster of neurons yeah, in mouse brains that encourage fear response to perceived threats. So when an adjacent cluster of neurons is activated, boldness and courage behaviors are exhibited. So there it is. We're on our way, right? Assuming that there's a corresponding region in the human brain, maybe we found one of the switches. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. Who would have a good reason, Stephen? Let's say that we, we, we found it in the human brain. Who would have a good reason to turn fear down or off? Can you think of, can you think of instances where that would be a useful thing with, that would be a helpful, societally beneficial thing for people to be able to turn their fear off? Well, let's give this sci-fi example first, right? Star Trek uh, First Contact, our heroes are about to face off against the Borg, right? Right. And Data is becoming anxious, and uh, he's, he's got an emotion chip. He's, a, he's an android. And he just, at, at Picard's suggestion, he turns the uh, motion chip off, and he's good to go. He's ready to fight. And Picard says to Data, there are times, Data, that I really envy you. One of the great things about that scene is Data starts to feel fear, and he's fascinated by it. And he's, right. he's all in the moment of observing his emotion. And it's more like, well, Data, we do have to fight the Borg here in a moment. So let's, in let's not be uh, experiencing fear just for the sake of the, the scientific value of it. Let's definitely worry about fighting the Borg. Right, right. And, in, yeah. in addition to the fact that you're having this interesting emotional experience and intellectual experience examining your emotional experience, maybe we want right. to not have you be crippled by fear while we face the Borg, since you're one of our most capable people. He turns it off. Picard says, yeah, he admires that capability. Well, surely by the 23rd century, we'll have that ability. And people in those kinds of situations, military, EMTs, police, firefighters, People who need to overcome fear of physical danger, that would be, that would be helpful. Now, I would, uh, I would say, Phil, I would want, a, uh, instead of a switch, I'd want a dial. I would want this to be analog so that I could dial it back but not remove it completely because fear serves a purpose, doesn't it? You don't want fear to cripple you in, under those circumstances, but at the same time, it kind of gives you an edge, too. So I would not want to turn it off. I think I would, uh, if, if I had the choice, I'd dial it back to about 10% or something, right? Right. You think about the natural concern for your own well-being mm -hmm. that it represents. If the primitive brain saying, you know what, you need to stick around and have some more kids before you die. 
that that serves a valuable purpose. But you know, the other the other possibility here is not people who are out trying to save someone's life, but people who are daredevils, right? You know, somebody right. who's doing some really dangerous stunt. I see these videos of people doing these crazy stunts on YouTube. You ever watch these? They actually they show up on social media all the time. People who've climbed to the very top of some really tall building and they're dangling off by one arm, you know, they're they're doing push-ups right on the edge or some of those kinds of things. And I'm always fascinated by those. I I can never I can never tear my eyes away from them. But I always think those people have somehow naturally curbed that that impulse not to not to do those things, right? To tamp that down. And you and you can only imagine these are mostly very young, very healthy, skilled acrobatic type folks who were doing it the idea right. that others who maybe want to be cool too who don't have that ability naturally might turn that fear down people might get themselves into some really dangerous situations i guess i get kind of a darwin award uh potential there out of yeah there, there is some danger in having the switch or dial or whatever you call it you know there is a uh, i don't know this may be some sort of urban legend a tribe of Native Americans that simply did not have the fear of height that uh, most people have. And they were very much involved in uh, the building of skyscrapers in New York City in the early days of, of that because they, they, they would do it where other people could not. I've heard it both ways, that there's something genetically different about them, that they just lack that fear. But I've also heard that they fear it as much as anybody else, but it's very much a part of their culture to overcome that fear as sort of a rite of passage into manhood. So whether it's cultural or genetic, it's an interesting thing that those particular Native Americans were, that's who they called on to uh, sit out there on those beams with their lunchboxes, right? You can see where the culture side of it, even if there's a, a slight, very slight genetic predisposition in that direction where the culture would really reinforce I mean, if you're told from day one, and not even told explicitly, but just everything around you tells you that, hey, we're the people who aren't afraid of heights. That, that would have to soak in in a way. I mean, that, that, would, that would have to drive you in a way that it's, it's kind of hard, hard to get your head around. But it does speak to the fact that we have tremendous control over these anyhow. With, without even having a switch, people do display amazing control over their fear. I mean, EMTs and soldiers and firefighters, they all, they all go out and do this stuff all the time anyway. Well, that, I think that's a big part of what training is about. And uh, yeah. you break down your uh, individuality in this training and, and build back up as a group unit. You are ready, hopefully, by the time you finish your training to, if necessary, lay down your life for the good of the, of the, of the whole group. Jump on the grenade, whatever is required of you, you do because you are now part of that group. Uh, obviously, it has to be intense training to do that, right? I mean, to overcome that fear instinct. You think about how overwhelming fear can be, and people freeze in those situations. They absolutely are unable to act when they're when they're overcome with fear. So it's something that we've been sort of taking on through various methods. It's interesting you talk about culture, you talk about training, all these different ways we have worked on trying to set that as a dial, trying to set that as a switch over the millennia. So it becomes very interesting when the capability to actually do something about it at the electrochemical level inside the body. Now, let's flip it around. Here's, here's the other side of it. Would there ever be a time when we would legitimately want to turn up somebody's fear response, make them more fearful? Right before you enter a horror movie. The whole purpose of going to a scary movie is to be scared. Perhaps uh, 
you know, before you step in to see it, you know, you're a, you're a big horror movie fan. You've been desensitized to the point that they don't scare you anymore. Maybe you could turn the dial up a little bit so you could experience that visceral fear that you're that you're wanting to feel from a safe vantage point, from the seat of a theater, right? If, if uh, this was germ warfare, you, if you could put a gas out on your enemies uh, to make them fear, right? I use the word legitimately deliberately yeah. there. As a method of quelling an enemy, if you could, if you could somehow do that, or just torturing people, it would be one of the most effective ways to manipulate people, or to just try to subject them to your will. Would be able to have that ability to to tamp up their fear. You'd enter into a torture situation with somebody. You wouldn't even have to touch them, perhaps. Right. Because they're right. you know you walk into the room and they're so intimidated they start talking. To bring geeky stuff into it, it's Scarecrow and Batman, right? That's yes, of course. That's exactly what he was doing. That's what Scarecrow does. He makes people afraid. Yeah, and in his case, he actually somehow gets into like your deepest fear, right? And and brings that out. But if you could just generally make somebody fear, it'd be a very odd experience, right? If there's no nothing in particular making you fearful, and suddenly you're overwhelmed with terror, that would be quite crippling. But that that's not legitimate. I like the idea of entertainment because that hadn't occurred to me at all that people might mess with. <laughs> that particular emotion just because there's a thrill. You've ridden every roller coaster there is, and they just don't do it for you anymore. If you could mm-hmm. turn that dial up just a little bit before getting on uh, the new roller coaster and experience the, the thrill that you had the first time you got on a roller coaster. I would not. I can tell you right now, I would never do that. I would never deliberately make myself fearful. There might be other emotions even negative ones that I might reasonably think of reasons that I might turn that dial up once in a while for, for, for an odd reason or other. But it's really hard to imagine ever deliberately making myself filled with well, terror. I'm, I'm with you, Phil. I, you know, I, I probably need to turn the fear knob down in order to get on that roller coaster. So there's these thrill seekers that have they've ridden all these roller coasters, and it doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything for them anymore. Uh, well, I wonder. I wonder about people like that. I wonder about people like the construction workers sitting up on the beam, having, you know, with their lunchbox and the famous picture. What do they feel at that moment, right? Is it absolutely just nothing, or is there a slight, I could fall to my death at any second? You know, you know what I mean? Is it, is it sitting yeah. there somewhere, but they've, they've, they've tamped it way down? I guess it's the question of the switch or the dial. They've got to have the intellectual knowledge that um, I could die at any moment. They've got the grasp of it intellectually, but they've overcome it somehow so that they could do their job. I've wondered about that picture for years, and apparently the latest news on it is that, yeah, the latest news from, from the 1930s, Phil, is that mm-hmm. that picture was actually posed for. The, the lunchbox guys never ate their lunch out, out there like that. that was oh, cool. yeah. Well, that, that kind of figures, yeah. Well, Just from a standpoint of practicality, it seems like. Yeah, you know, you don't, you don't, you're not out on a beam overhanging the entire city to eat your lunch. I hate to disappoint our listeners, but that's, that probably didn't happen. Well, <laughs> well, the other thing that this makes me wonder is because, you know, the, suddenly you have this, boldness and courage behaviors are exhibited. I, I love the idea of these bold mice going out and doing bold things, but you start to wonder about a general level of confidence, and I sort of segregated that off from fear versus lack of fear. But one, And then once you talk about confidence, there's this whole panoply of other emotions that potentially we might have control over at some point. So I think that's what we're going to look at next time out. We're going to say, what about all the other emotions in the world? So why don't we wrap it up here and we'll pick it up with all other feelings on the Wednesday show.
Sounds great. All right, man. Well, great talking to you. Great having you all with us. We will be back on Wednesday with a brand new show. We're going to look do part two of our exploration of flipping the emotional switches. And until next time, live to see it. 